I'm very happy, as always, to introduce tonight's moderator, Mr. Conan Nolan. Conan Nolan is a general assignment reporter for CanBC Los Angeles and the host of News Conference, the longest-running political and public affairs program in Southern California television. Over 25 years, he's been everywhere, uncovered everything from reporting in Kuwait and Iraq to driving in front of O.J. Simpson's white Ford Bronco. <laughs> Please welcome Mr. Conan Nolan. There's a very kind. Awfully nice of you. Thank you very much. It's a delight to be here. For you folks, uh, the out-of-towners, I'm going to ask you to spread the word. A lot of people don't appreciate that in L.A. it's uh, quite common on a Friday night uh, for you to come home and say, Honey, let's go find a panel discussion somewhere. <laughs> you know, you know, just cruise the neighborhood. We might run into something you know, promising. And so you've come to a pretty good one here tonight. Uh, we're delightful to be here. Uh, it's, uh, it's all about a topic that uh, it seems to be dominating the, the public square of late. Certainly, we've been talking about it for almost two decades now. Uh, professional sports has been a big deal in L.A. for a lot longer than uh, a lot of people think. I, there was a, a, the Pacific Coast League uh, before the Dodgers got here. I happen to remember the Anaheim Amigos of the ABA. Uh, but football has always been somewhat problematic, and that's what we're here to discuss. We have a great panel, and let me introduce them uh, to you. Many of them you already know. Uh, to my left is Troy Aikman, the lead uh, color analyst for Fox Sports member of the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he's an individual who has three Super Bowl rings and won those in four years. I think that's the first or the only time that's happened uh, in, in, uh, in consecutive fashion. In any case, he's also uh, has lent his help to, to UCLA in the past, uh, and he's somebody who, is, uh, who was highly regarded, of course, uh, in the issue of uh, not only professional football, but perhaps the issue of where the next franchise should locate. Uh, so uh, we welcome Troy. To him is Sam Farmer. He's the uh, columnist on the NFL for the Los Angeles Times. Prior to that, he's with the San Jose Mercury News, where he covered the Oakland Raiders of the National Football League. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, he has covered the, uh, the idea of uh, AEG bringing a team to L.A. So, uh, so thoroughly, they've actually named the stadium after him. Already, <laughs> which is, I find that very interesting. Leo Hanian. Leo Hanian's an economist from UCLA, is also a, uh, with the uh, Hoover Institute at Stanford. A little cross-pollination there between two Pac-10 schools. Uh, he's an expert in sports uh, economy, and uh, he teaches a class in that as well. Uh, as he said in the green room, it's one of the few classes at UCLA every student wants to attend because they're actually very uh, interested in it, and we're happy to have him here as well. And, of course, uh, Jim Mora, 28 years in the National Football League, uh, head coach of the uh, Seattle Seahawks of the Atlanta Falcons, again, a highly regarded individual in the NFL. He's now with UCLA, uh, and we welcome him. Congratulations on the recruiting class to all of them. So uh, we'll start with The Economist first, because all things starts with money, uh, and then we'll branch off from there. Why is it that the economy of, of professional football has been such that we haven't had a team in the second largest television market for 18 years? You know, much, of it, much of it boils down to the fact that there wasn't a stadium here that an NFL franchise would find sufficiently attractive. And that's really the result of the way the NFL, the NFL's business plan a lot of the revenue in the NFL is shared. So the money largely comes from stadiums that provide luxury boxes, which are what's called retained revenue, concessions, 
pro shop sales, these are all items that, for the most part, individual teams are able to keep that revenue and not share it with other teams. Um, so up until now, we haven't had a stadium that provided that at the level that an NFL franchise would find attractive. Um, you know, now we're in the position of possibly having one or perhaps even, even two stadiums that would provide those types of benefits and an NFL franchise would find very attractive. You couldn't see two stadiums being built. It's got to be one or the other, correct? Uh, you know, I think uh, Troy may touch on this later. Um, the market probably is big enough to support two, uh, two NFL teams, um, but I, I suspect right now we're probably looking at one. Troy, talk about that. Is LA big enough for two teams? Well, it, it definitely is big enough for two teams, and I think that's the long-term vision uh, of the NFL is to, you know, of course, they, they want to see one team here first, but uh, I think looking at it down the road that they very much envision there being two NFL teams. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't think that means two NFL stadiums. Uh, although it might, uh, I wouldn't anticipate that. But there's been an economic incentive to not have a team here as well. Uh, Sam, address that issue. Well, uh, Los Angeles has been very valuable to the NFL over the past 17 years without a team uh, in that it's been a leverage point to get deals done in other cities. In Indianapolis, when the Colts uh, wanted to squeeze the city, to help out on a stadium, which ultimately became Lucas Oil Stadium, they made every intimation that they were going to relocate to Los Angeles, uh, including Jim Irsay parking his jet at Van Nuys for a month with the Colts logo on the tail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, and you, you become sort of cynical about this, about uh, does the league really want a team in Los Angeles? I think yes. Ultimately, all things considered, the NFL wants a team. But I think the thought of two teams in Los Angeles is far out there and also benefits the NFL because if a team comes to Los Angeles, you want to maintain a leverage point and the threat that, hey, there's still another vacancy to fill here um, will help the league get deals done in other cities. Coach Moore, as the head football coach of the other, of the I'd say the, the, the only two pro teams we do have in uh, Southern California. <laughs> do you want to see an NFL team, or does that actually, uh, UCLA and USC, those are, that's, when you want to watch football, that's where you go here, and there's, it would seem to me there's an advantage to that. Uh, well, I, I'm sure that there is, but I would like to see pro football here, because I'm a pro football fan, and I think that uh, this, this area can support a pro football team as well as support UCLA and that the other school. Now, you're wearing a red tie. Is, is that an indicator? No, 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 no. Is that an indicator? No, I actually, that's, uh, it, no, it's strictly coincidence. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see pro football. Pro football is galvanizing. It's amazingly galvanizing. I, I got, I was fortunate enough to go to Iraq this summer and do a USO tour with the troops. And so I met thousands and thousands and thousands of U.S. soldiers in Iraq. And they look so forward every weekend to watching NFL football on Fox. I was with Fox until I took the UCLA team. I don't think they're on any other networks. But, uh, and they look so forward to the draft, and they look so forward to mini camps, and it's, it's just galvanizing. And, uh, and I think that, that we could certainly support that. And, and if you win, you know, it's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. If you win, they will come. They will fill your stadium. They don't have, we don't have a team, but we certainly have television sets, and we've been watching you in droves, 
and NBC on Sunday. Uh, and <laughs> one wonders whether or not the, the, the networks appreciate the fact that uh, they don't have to black out a, an NFL game in Los Angeles because there's no team. They get a huge number regardless of who's playing, and we all get to see the, good, the best game. Well, I think that's the... Uh, that's the upside. <laughs> that, that, that clearly is the upside for the residents uh, of Los Angeles and the football fans you know, here is that they do get the best game. And what they don't get is the NFL experience you know, of going and, and being a part uh, you know, at the stadium. And I think Jim makes the point that you know, what's often talked about is, is would, a, would an NFL team be supported in Los Angeles? And the answer to that is yes, but you have to win. I mean... There's very few cities like Chicago to where fans show up, whether the team, you know, not saying, hey, the Cubs, you know, the Cubs have struggled at times, and yet people are still, they're going to the games, and, and the Bears, of course, have been good. But even when those teams aren't very good, people are still showing up at those stadiums. In, in Dallas, I got there in 89, we were the worst team in the league. They were drawing 30,000 people to the games. And so that's, that's reality for most any sport and any team. If they're not winning, people don't go. And in Los Angeles, if the team's having success, uh, they will support it, and they'll be showing up to the games. Uh, the, the, uh, getting back to the uh, Al, uh, Ed Roski is trying to build a stadium in Industry Hills, and of course there's AEG who says that they've got a 10,000-page EIR ready to go. It's going to be out in the end of this month, maybe next month. And they say it's downtown, downtown, downtown. Now, usually downtown means baseball stadiums because there's redevelopment agencies involved, no longer in California, but, uh, and, and you have 81 dates um, per game. I can't imagine being able to build a facility in, in the city of industry where you only have eight or ten dates per year. How do they make that work as opposed to the, to the convention center complex that they envision here? Well, I think that's one of the that's one of the issues about the industry proposal. Um, the stadium would be part of a, a 600 acre entertainment complex, so it's going to be a, a multi a multi venue situation. Um, but the Ro the Roski proposal has been there now and ready to go uh, for some time. So all the lawsuits, uh, to my understanding, all the lawsuits with that stadium have been settled. Uh, they have permits in place. And what they have been able to do is attract a team at this point. And the location, I think, is, is probably an issue. Well, Sam, ex address that. The, the, the NFL loves using L.A. as a weight against, um, for, for uh, leverage with other cities. Houston was the, was the most recent time when they had an expansion. But they love to use the two uh, yeah. competing stadium uh, plans as well. Yeah, well, LA, or the NFL is all about competition, and certainly competition in these cases pitting one city against another, one franchise against another, one owner against another to get the best deal. And certainly, as we know, over the past 17 years in Los Angeles, one or multiple sites against each other to try to grind out the best deal. And there's no ideal site in Los Angeles. Uh, it's too impacted. If you're, if you're out in industry, you have 600 acres, but you're in industry. I mean, I think people will go to 10 games a year there. They'll be there for 10 games a year, no question. But will they go 11 days a year there? Uh, you know, is there any other reason that droves of people will go out there? Uh, downtown, obviously there's space and parking concerns or traffic concerns. It's just, just the pure expense of doing a project like that, uh, let alone a project that would have a roof and, and 
a retractable roof, it's, it's you know, that's a, that's a real challenge, and the NFL recognizes that. Uh, but, you know, getting back to a little bit about TV and, and how we've been spoiled in L.A. over the last, since we, the Raiders and Rams left after the 94 season, we do get the best games, and I think the NFL has a challenge now, and it's only going to grow over the next decade, and that is how to draw people to, to games and for the NFL experience. Uh, because if I take my family of four to a game, I'm spending as much as I would spend on a 50-inch flat-screen TV uh, and, and a Sunday ticket package. And, you know, I, I think another issue is uh, fantasy football. That's a double-edged sword. People have gotten very into fantasy football. That drives up their interest in the NFL, which is great. But if I'm a fantasy football owner, maybe I want to stay home and watch my Denver defense and Peyton Manning is my quarterback, and you know, whatever. I, 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 my team might be this sort of amalgam of all these people, and I want to stay home and watch them on TV. So you know, what's interesting about the that point is uh, the NFL. When you know they they'll come in and they talk to us at our you know seminar that we have at Fox when we're getting ready to kick the season off and. And that is an issue with a lot of fans, is the experience at home, watching it on TV has become so good that they want to make it somehow comparable than when you go to the stadium, that, that you're able to see replays and you're able to hear the, the analysts and you know, whatever that experience is like at home. So they're trying to replicate that. I thought it was interesting, though, in Dallas, Mark Cuban, the owner of the, the Dallas Mavericks, he as the owner of, of the Mavericks, does not want to replicate that experience. He, he wants it to be different. And his point, which I thought was an interesting point, was that if you think about the first time you ever went to a sporting event, a live sporting event, whether it was with you know, your girlfriend, whether it was your dad that took you, or a family, you know, whatever the situation was, there was something really special about that experience and being there at the game and, and having a hot dog or... Few of us look back on that experience the first time we, we did it, or you know even multiple times, and we really recall what the score of those those contests were. I mean, it was it, it went beyond that. And so Mark's point was, hey, we don't want the experience at the game to be what it is at home. You know, it, it's unique, it's different, and so they try to sell that point. And I think it's an interesting take on it. But there's uh, one of the problems we have with the experience of the game that we have seen is uh, violence at the game. I mean, we, we've done stories about when the uh, Raiders and the 49ers played at the beginning of this past season in an exhibition game, and all hell broke loose. People were put in the hospital because of uh, that. And, and we had stories, uh, I had personal stories from Saints fans up again at Candlestick um, having real problems. Uh, Coach, you've been in the business for 30 years. From the sidelines and from your position, have you seen a change in the behavior of the fans? And is that a concern, do you think, for the NFL? I haven't seen a change, no. I mean, I think NFL fans are passionate about their team. Uh, I think that uh, Raider fans are certainly different than your typical <laughs> NFL fans. And I, I mean, they just are. I mean, and that's just a fact. I'm not, I don't mean that as a negative statement. It's just, <laughs> it's a fact. It is what it is, you know. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it reminds. I, I, I don't know where to go with that. There, 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 well, there, there. I, I, as as an aside, there's a great line by Detective Drummond, uh, Leslie Nielsen played in one of the uh, Naked Gun movies, <laughs> where he goes undercover 
in a prison and he's trying to get information from another inmate. And the voiceover as he's walking through the jail yard, he says, there I am with murderers, rapists, muggers, the worst vermin of society. And then, of course, the punchline, I thought I was at an L.A. Raiders game at the L.A. Coliseum. <laughs> or the Eagles. <laughs> but, but, um, but has there been, maybe there's not been a change, but there's been a change perhaps in how much coverage uh, incidents get at stadiums. Because you're competing against, again, as, uh, as, as Troy said, a, a, a wonderful setting to watch a game in your home on your 53-inch TV screen, yeah. uh, and you don't have to worry about some guy throwing popcorn at you or you know, yelling yeah. obscenities at your kids. Uh, the league is very, very sensitive to that. And, uh, and Troy and I were at the uh, NFC Championship game where the Giants beat the 49ers, and at that game, uh, NFL security uh, put... San Francisco police officers in Giants jerseys. So when those player or those uh, those officers were inevitably harassed at the games, they could turn around, and if it was bad enough, they could make it arrest. And <laughs> and I, I said I was talking to Jeff Miller, who's the head of security at the NFL. I said you should do that at every game. And he said we're going to, we're going to do that. And uh, but I mean, what's your experience been? You've played in some of the worst places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. There's going to be hecklers. I was at I was in Philadelphia. This is a sidebar here, bro. <laughs> I was broadcasting, and I'm, we're a TV commercial. We're a commercial break, and I'm hearing the fans are yelling, you know, a hole, you know, and they're chanting it. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? This is in Philadelphia. And so I look out, and I, you immediately look at the, the diamond vision to see what they're, what they're chanting about. And uh, they had today's broadcasters, Joe Buck and Troy, <laughs> Troy <Asen>. so, <laughs> Yeah. Good welcoming there. Um, no, I'm like Jim. I think that, uh, I don't know if there's more attention paid to it. or I, I, I think that fans, it's what makes the game what it is. They're pretty fanatical. They're crazy about it. And uh, they get emotional. And so I think there's always been a, the fights and things like that that have taken place. It's unfortunate. I mean, Raider games, back when I was playing in the early 90s, you would never have uh, a family member come to a game, certainly not sporting the opponent's colors you know you just you just you just wouldn't do it and it's like that in some places green bay on the other hand is unbelievable how nice you know they are but uh you know the league there's no question that that we all want to be able to walk into any event and have your uh family with you and bring be able to bring young kids and not be worried about what their experience is going to be like and lee we wouldn't have a green bay if we didn't have revenue sharing in the nfl that an you know, the, um, the NFL really has become, uh, at some level, the most successful pro sport in the U.S. Uh, Two-thirds of men watch the NFL. Over half of women watch the NFL. You know, I, I would be surprised if 10% if of women watched the NFL 30 years ago. So a major economic success of the sport has been able to, to not only get the diehard fans we've been talking about here, but also a much broader cross-section of individuals who now watch the games. And... The NFL has a lot of parity, and one reason is because of revenue sharing. About 75% of money is shared equally among teams. Um, payrolls are very, very similar, uh, as opposed to something like baseball, where the Yankees' payroll can be eight times as high as that of the Devil Rays. And um, yeah, the NFL is where it's at because of revenue sharing, so there's a team like Green Bay can be very successful. 
Um, Cincinnati uh, is, uh, is a very small market, but you know, getting back to the idea of stadiums, teams tend to, ch tend to chase money, and they tend to go where the state, not only the stadiums provide the benefits we've talked about, but also sweetheart deals. So Cincinnati is a situation where they have a stadium, they pay no rent, they pay no property taxes, they pay no maintenance fees on the stadium, and despite the fact they're a tiny market, you know, last year they were fifth most profitable team, uh, largely because of that type of uh, situation. So revenue sharing, plus getting the right type of stadium, plus getting the right type of deal, is really what it's all about in terms of an NFL franchise. Sam, what is the new labor agreement? How does that play into this, LA getting a team? Or does well, it? Oh, it definitely does. I mean, the, the, the selling point that the owners sold to the players is you will get a smaller slice of the pie, but it's going to be a bigger pie. So ultimately, you're going to get more money, and that we're going to see the salary cap grow and grow and grow. And really, the most expedient, logically, the most expedient way to grow the pie is to put a team that's underperforming in its current market into the nation's second largest market. And so putting a team back in Los Angeles um, would benefit the players and, and uh, obviously benefit the owners and the league at large. So, uh, you know, they're taking the long view. Uh, this is a 10-year labor agreement, unprecedented in, in U.S. labor history. You have something that long looking out. They've got labor, labor stability for the next 10 years. They're going to look at Los Angeles. They're going to look at international expansion and weigh that. They're going to weigh expanding the regular season. They're going to look at expanding the NFL network. Uh, and so that's all part and parcel of what's going on here. Coach Moore, do you see it going internationally? Because there are plenty of you who think this is an American sport. Too, too difficult to translate. I, I think it's going international. I think they're looking at the Pacific Rim, and I think they'd love to go international. I think they'd love to go to London. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, I think it's a huge disadvantage to your team if you... Uh, First of all, if you have to travel international to play a single game, uh, it's a huge disadvantage to your team. I've had to do it on a number of occasions, and it's just uh, overwhelming how, how stressful it is on your team. But I believe if they decide to put a team in London, or which it seems to be the most logical spot, right, Troy? Yeah. Uh, I, there's a lot of logistical problems that they have to figure out in terms of how they're going to operate during the season. It's easy to say a team's going to fly over and play a game, but there's so many things that take place during the week of a game that have nothing to do with the game. For instance, uh, every Tuesday in the National Football League, you'll bring in 10 to 15 free agent type players to work out for your coaches and your scouts because you're always trying to replenish players that maybe are injured or replace the bottom half or the bottom uh, two percent of your roster, so I don't, I don't know how they're going to do those types of things. So, uh, I, mean, I think it sounds really great, and for the people who are looking to make a lot of money, it's fantastic. But for the guys that actually have to be down in the trenches doing the work, it's a disaster. How, how uh, on a different angle to that though, um, how difficult is it to to put together a winning professional franchise when you have a stadium <coughs> as bad say as Candlestick? Um, how much does does your job depend on the how modern and uh, how modern a facility you have? Uh, only in that it affects the your owner and his ability to to fund what you need funded in order to present you know uh, an environment that uh, that provides the ability to win. Uh, but I don't think you know the 49ers did pretty well for a long time at Candlestick, yeah, and they certainly did. You know the Cowboys <coughs> did pretty well for a long time at 
at was it Texas Stadium or Dallas Stadium, and that place was a not the nicest field in the world. You know, Sam can kind of speak to it, but uh, you know, Jim's point is is that that's how this whole thing got going, and and I guess uh, I guess you would credit or discredit Jerry Jones for that is is when he came in as the owner and there was revenue sharing. You say, okay, well. You know how exactly does that work, and then you realize that the the luxury boxes are not counted in that. That is a part of revenue sharing. So he figured that out real quick, and and you know, kicked out a lot, kicked out a lot of people that had had season tickets for a long time, and put in luxury boxes. You know, and that's when the whole stadium thing became a big deal. That everyone then realized, hey, we've got to have luxury boxes if we're going to be able to compete. Now, Sam, that's changed, right? On this new collective bargaining agreement. The, the luxury boxes and the revenue that's brought in, all that, that's all then a part of that pie. But before, if you didn't have those, then these smaller market teams, if you couldn't go out and sign a guy and pay $20 million sign-in bonus, which Buffalo and some of these other smaller markets were not able to do, well, obviously that's a real competitive disadvantage to those teams. Right, and uh, Al Davis, the other one who, um, who was a manic about that, he went to the Coliseum. He, he, the Oakland Alameda Coliseum wouldn't put him in. Uh, then he comes down here, and I think the L.A. Coliseum Commission said they'd put him in. Didn't. Then he goes back up to Oakland. Uh, still and, did. Yeah, still did. And, and, and now he's dead. So... <laughs> But 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 the uh, <laughs> the silver and black. God bless him. God rest his soul. The uh, but but the reason why uh, the reason why the uh, the luxury suites actually worked out was because it had become so much a part of the culture that you had corporations that would love to be able to use that venue as a way to get to know a client and that kind of thing. And that was uh, for uh, for your old boss. Uh, that was revolutionary. Nobody had thought about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and cutting individual sponsorship deals and, and cutting your own deals and getting these astronomical naming rights. Now, obviously, they don't have the naming rights deal in Dallas, but some of these naming rights deals for tens of millions of dollars. Uh, right, unless you're Kodak and you're trying to get your name off the theater in Hollywood. Right, <laughs> says, right. Please get us off. Um, let's talk a little bit about these two stadiums real quick. There was one, um, there was one piece, and I don't know if you wrote it or who, where I read it, but uh, the argument was made that the NFL wants rich people going to their football games. They're the ones who run the companies that own the uh, luxury boxes, and they live on the west side. You're not going to get them to drive all the way to the city of industry for a football game. That The NFL is all about uh, Beverly Hills, Westwood, Downtown's as far east as they want to go. Who wants at that? What do you think? Well, I would say that uh, the view of a lot of NFL owners is that Los Angeles starts at 90210 and goes west. And that's, that's Los Angeles. Uh, that's the Los Angeles that they're interested in. I remember um, <clears throat> a consultant for the league did a study in 1999 of the entire L.A. area and looked at different stadium options uh, in, in Carson, in Anaheim, in uh, downtown, uh, the Coliseum. And he called a limousine company. He was, he was trying to assess the interest in Orange County. And he called a limousine company in Beverly Hills and said, how much would it cost to, for a limo to take me from Beverly Hills to Orange County? And the guy said, well, I'm not sure we don't do that much. 
And he said, that's all I need to know. Is <laughs> all I, you know, so. Uh, but I think the NFL understands L.A. a little bit better now than it did before. And it knows that there, uh, there's money all over L.A., but certainly convenience and the, uh, that weighs into this. Uh, and the fact that the west side is close and there's a lot of money. Obviously, there's a lot of money in Pasadena area, um, which may benefit industry or downtown. So, I mean, it, it, they look at all those things. And, Troy, you've said that if you, if you have a winning team, they don't care where the football stadium is, they're going to go. I mean, your, your stadium wasn't in downtown Dallas. No, it, it was in Irving. And then, it, you know, and, and from my point of reference, it is what's happened there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And they built a baseball stadium in Arlington. And, and for a lot of people, they, would, they were having a hard time getting people to the stadium. They thought that they shouldn't have built it there in Arlington. It was too far out. It wasn't downtown where you have people just leaving work and stopping in at the stadium. And the team wasn't very good. You know? And then when the team began to win, uh, they're there. And you know, when they built the football stadium, even though the Cowboys have kind of been up and down, they've been a 500 team for for a while, it's a, football is a destination sport to where you know, people will, will drive out there to go to a football game. I mean, that's what they'll do. Whereas baseball, it doesn't seem like they're quite as inclined to do it unless the team's really good. So you know, we see some football stadiums in some, uh, you know, I don't want to say remote places, but out away from where you would think, not in downtown areas. Uh, FedEx Field in uh, Washington is one of them. And they have no problem getting people out to their games. You know, I think Sam made a good point earlier when we were discussing it as far as, um, okay, well, then what does that do for the other events that they have? And in, in Texas, people would still drive out for those events. There's so many different venues where those things could be held here in Los Angeles. I think that is certainly one of the challenges yeah, it if, challenge. if it's out at industry. Um, uh, Coach Mora, if, the t if an arrangement was made, out of curiosity, for a NFL team to come to Los Angeles prior to the stadium being built for like two years, maybe even that's on the outside three. Would you welcome them to the Rose Bowl? Or would that be, would that be a detriment to your program? Oh, I don't think it would be a detriment to our program at all. Uh, yeah, I'd welcome them to the Rose Bowl as long as the, they didn't tear up the field. <laughs> you know? I'm serious. I want, yeah, a nice, right. I want our players to play on a nice field. Yeah. That's and I don't want to put uh, field turf in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, you have to manage those things because it is a serious concern. And I would think that the NFL owners would feel the same way. If, what's the salary cap now, $109 million? You don't want to put $109 million on a 50-cent field, you know. So that, is a, that, that would be a concern of mine. And obviously it's the national game. It's the American game. Uh, there, there's no sense of depravity in terms of recruiting kids and the culture of football in a market like this because there's not a pro team. I mean, it's no. not at all. No. I didn't, I didn't think so. I'm not sure why I asked that question. <laughs> it, wouldn't be a bad, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have your stadium show up every Sunday well, or every other Sunday for recruiting purposes. I mean, to have Yeah, that'd be showcased. okay. But you know what's amazing about UCLA? And I said this yesterday. Uh, you know, who wouldn't want to go to UCLA if you spend a day on that campus? Yesterday I'm on campus, okay, and I went out and ran for the first time in a long time because recruiting was so consuming. I'm running around Drake Stadium. I run into two world record holders. I run into two Olympic gold medalists. I, get, I start running some stairs. I run into six NFL players. I walk through over to Acosta the back way, 
Venus and Serena are hitting the tennis ball, okay? <laughs> and I walk out onto Spalding Field and Tim Tebow and Philip Rivers are throwing the ball around, you know? So that's more impactful than having an NFL team play in your stadium. You know, these people are on our campus every single day. It was unbelievable. And if Troy would come back from once in a while and throw, that'd be fantastic too. <laughs> Maybe shoot up for a game and throw, huh? You got any, any eligibility left? <laughs> for a reminder, for those who might not know, uh, UCLA was 20 and 4 when Troy Aikman was hiking the ball behind center for the UCLA. We need to get uh, I, that jersey retired, don't we? <laughs> right, and, and, and UCLA is, uh, Sports Illustrated did a whole thing on the number one athletic school in the country, by far it was UCLA. Uh, a very good point, all you have to go through is walk through the uh, Hall of Fame there and you get, you get the message. Still though, you have to take the bus to your football stadium. That is a serious disadvantage, serious disadvantage, but the footprint, there's nowhere to go. Now, I, mean, I, no, I was got standing there yesterday dreaming about a stadium on our campus where Drake Field is, but or Drake Stadium, but uh, that's just not feasible. Right, and it's not feasible that if there was a stadium downtown, you'd try to talk them into, once again, it's field conditions. I don't think the NFL would want to share a stadium with a college football team. We like the Rose Bowl. Like the Rose Bowl. We like the Rose Bowl. And Good the Rose answer. Bowl is undergoing a beautiful renovation. We like the Rose Bowl. Good answer. Uh, per- <laughs> Professor, the state of California is environmentally sensitive. The NFL knows that, so one gets the impression, and I talked to AG people the other day, and they, they sort of confirmed this, that they really don't take a football stadium seriously until the EIR is done, until all you environmental guys get your ducks lined up and you're actually going to put shovel into ground. That's the only time we're going to really start paying attention. Is that accurate, or do you think they, do they feel that this is a done deal? Already, and I think that's accurate. Um, I mean, any any franchise considering moving here is not going to make that commitment unless they know the stadium they're looking for is going to be here, and and that and that can't be a possibility until the environmental concerns are are, are hammered out. Um, the industry proposal ha- has passed that; they have permits, um, and it's interesting with respect to that stadium, that they have not so far been successful in terms of finding somebody to come there. What does that say? And that they don't, the owners, backs, backs what Sam said. It's 90210 to the, I mean. Uh, that, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the problem with industry. It's, uh, it's 20, about 25 miles east of downtown, and um, uh, there, there's, there's a concern that people just aren't going to go there. Right. Uh, then the EIR process very quickly, once they have that in place, then it goes through hearings and public. But the fact that the LA City Council rolled on this so easily, they got a unanimous vote. No, I mean, that, that, that's, that's huge because I think the council wisely, and why it's taken so long, is that the council, and this, the council wasn't willing to commit taxpayer money and provide subsidies to a stadium. Um, which other places have. Uh, so Sam spoke about some of them. Um, Cincinnati is one that was provided with a lot of taxpayer money. Um, so now, now uh, Farmers Field is primarily going to be, be funded with, uh, with exclusively private money. Um, but you know, until, until, until <laughs> you know, a, a team knows that that stadium is going to be in place, they're not going to say, I'm going to be leaving San Diego or leaving, uh, leaving uh, Minnesota or leaving Oakland. Uh, for the hopes of a stadium, that's gonna ha- that commitment will have to be there. And it's going to take you know, three or four or five years to build these stadiums. So then the issue is, 
well, you know, we'll have to have a temporary home for the team before they can move in. Right, but isn't that a big negative to the NFL when the, when the, when the city signs onto a stadium, a billion dollar private stadium? How many other cities, uh, how many other owners are going to uh, try to convince the public to help foot the money for their stadiums when all of a sudden, I, I was under, it was my understanding when the Giants built their stadium at $375 million in San Francisco, it pissed off the entire Major League Baseball, the owners, because it was done with private money. Sam, answer that. Yeah, well, that's... A, that's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that model has worked for the NFL, so certainly if, if the NFL has, has something that's so outside the norm, the only fully privately financed stadium right now is, uh, is Gillette Stadium, uh, and what Robert Kraft has done, and he owned that land. Um, so if a city does it on its own with private money, it does set a bad precedent for the NFL. If, if another city says, hey, look what they did in L.A., you can't do it. And, and in L.A. it was even more expensive. Oh, why don't you do that here? Uh, but another, speaking to the point of uh, you wouldn't want to leave, that's a, that's a great point. Because as soon as a team takes that first step out of a city, it's dead in that market. So if San Diego indicates that they're going to come to L.A. Uh, and takes a, a step toward L.A., uh, Charger fans there will turn on that team so quickly, uh, their heads will spin. So, uh, so you have to be really sure that this, this deal can't go sideways. When you come to L.A. and all of a sudden you're playing in the Coliseum, you're hemorrhaging money as far as the money you'd be making on those luxury suites, uh, you've lost money in the move. Maybe you've even paid a relocation fee uh, to relocate to Los Angeles. And then the deal's tied up in the courts, and all of a sudden you're playing five years in, in the Coliseum. So uh, you definitely need uh, an assurance that this deal is going to go through. And the AEG deal, uh, <clears throat> after the review period, I believe it's July, they best case scenario is they get the EIR locked up by July. That starts a 175-day clock uh, by which all, during which all lawsuits against the project need to be adjudicated. Um, and you, you can speak uh, more to that. But, but they've compressed this period just so teams will be sure, yes, this stadium's going to move forward. We're going to open up to questions in just a few moments, but before we do, um, assuming you, you're not going to expand, and I think the commissioner has said they're not interested in that right now, Troy, what teams do you think are really, truly looking at moving to L.A.? San Diego, we've mentioned. Was this yeah. Oakland? Uh, I think they're interested, sure. I, 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 as far as handicapping it on who those teams might be, San Diego's clearly, uh, Oakland's one. Uh, Minnesota, but they may uh, have gotten something what, today that, right. you know, on a stadium. Jacksonville was the team uh, that everyone was kind of pointing to as the team that the league would have preferred to see come here. and Because they're soft in their market? Well, they, they're having a hard time with tickets. They're having a hard time selling. The, the, the community's not supporting that team. And the league has gotten behind that team and has helped subsidize them in some ways uh, for quite some time. Really? And so uh, I think the league would like to see them out of Jacksonville and, uh, and probably in Los Angeles. Now, a lot of people were making a run at that team to move them 
to Los Angeles and uh, uh, with the sell recently when Wayne Weaver, we, Wayne Weaver sold the team, uh, he wouldn't sell it to, to anyone who he thought was going to move the team to Los Angeles. I don't think anything was in the deal. I don't think that the league would ever have approved a sale with, uh, that was contingent on the team staying there. But I don't know what this new owner has in mind. Mm, that's interesting. Sam, St. Louis, are they in the running? I think St. Louis is definitely in the running after 2014. Um, but you've got to remember, too, with this new CBA, this 10-year CBA, with these new TV deals, a rising tide lifts all boats. Nobody's in quite the urgent situation that they were in a year ago. So if we've learned anything from the NFL, it's that the NFL won't be rushed into this decision. So, uh, you know, the picture is constantly changing. But I'd certainly, as Troy said, put San Diego up there. I think Oakland's a wild card. Uh, the Rams. Even there are wacky scenarios about moving the Rams to Los Angeles and backfilling that market ultimately with Jacksonville. Or moving Jacksonville, Jacksonville's the London team. Uh, you know, it depends on what time it is, what time of day. I hear right. another theory every few hours, but but it's very dynamic, and it's the the picture will be changed ten times before it happens. But certainly, those teams are all mentioned, and Minnesota has been mentioned, and Buffalo. Although I think it'd be very difficult to pull the only team that plays in the state of New York out of that state because. It's obviously a very politically powerful state, and uh, you'd guarantee that you'd never be elected, you know, town mayor if you let that. Right. But the, the NFL, uh, they're they're they are such a dominant force. They have to be very careful. Uh, th this is a jewel that they've got, and there's a golden opportunity for LA. They don't want to blow it. It would seem to me, and they're calling all the shots at the moment. Is that a fair statement, Lee? Uh, no, it is a fair statement, and. Um, you know, I think the league understands that Jacksonville is is, is just going to be hemorrhaging. Um, I mean, that's the weakest that's the weakest market. So I think the league would love to move from Jacksonville. Now the problem is that the Jacksonville team has a lease until 2030, unless they show that they lose money three straight years, um, then the lease can be broken. But that's that's the impediment right now. So there'd be you know substantial lawsuits. It seems to me that the Chargers and the Raiders would have, obviously, a lot of brand recognition here. Since it's staying on the West Coast, it wouldn't really uh, upset any type of divisional issues. Um, there's sort of this interesting sidebar with St. Louis in that um, the owner of the, uh, uh, the Cardinals um, um, is, uh, is bidding for the Dodgers. And um, I believe there's an obscure rule that says you can't own a baseball team in another city in which you would own a football team. Um, so that provides a whole different spin on, uh, on, on the St. Louis Rams. But, but St. Louis is also a market that's it's a, it's a nice market. It's a market I don't think the NFL wants to lose. So as, um, as Sam mentioned, you know, moving the Rams here and then moving Jacksonville to St. Louis, I think that's another, that's another issue that I think the league would find attractive. Coach Moore, did they, were there any rumors when you were with the Seahawks of them abandoning their stadium and coming down no, here? No, 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 no. No chance. So. No that's chance. a football-crazy town. Who, 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 would you, uh, who would you think would be a, a leading candidate to move here? Same as these guys, Jacksonville, or Jacksonville moving to St. Louis and St. Louis moving here. I, I personally don't believe that the Spanos family wants to move the Chargers to Los Angeles. I think that it's just uh, that, that they're just using that as leverage. 
That's, they, and I've known them. I used. To, I worked there, and well, that's why, where I started why my career. I, I, why, why, I think why they're not? really entrenched in the San Diego community. I and mean, this is just my. I don't. Right, this no, is no, based on nothing but my feeling, my belief. I think that uh, that they're using that as a as a leverage point. I don't think they have any intention of moving up here. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is off the record now. <laughs> It's all background. It's all background. (laughs) We'll take some questions from the audience, but first, uh, wait for a microphone. Uh, My name is Ken O'Brien. I had heard that um, the commissioner threw cold water on the downtown plan for economic reasons that he didn't like um, the proposal for how the lease was going to work. Could somebody comment on that? Roger Goodell says uh, that he doesn't like either deal right now, uh, the way that it's currently... Uh, that either the way either deal is currently proposed, there's not a, a deal that the NFL would go for. The, one of the uh, real sticking points of the downtown deal is to make that work, Phil Anschutz uh, would need to have a team uh, at a below market price or a large percentage of a team. So uh, the jumping off point was $5 million a point, which is about half price for half a team. And right now, with this long labor agreement, with the new record-breaking TV deals in place, it makes no sense for someone to sell their team for for half of their team for half price. Now, I think that's a negotiation, and and that'll be an ongoing discussion between Phil Anschutz and and an NFL owner. And there's also the argument that as soon as you bring a team to Los Angeles, uh, especially a struggling team, it's going to be worth about 150% of what it's worth now in its current market. So, um, so everybody's going to get richer. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a deal right now on the table that any team would take or it would have been taken by now. And there's a, there's a similar issue with industry. I believe at one point Roski was asking for a 30% interest in any team that was going to move there. Um, so the, yeah, these, these are issues that the NFL is just not going to be happy with right now. Uh, my question has to do with minor league professional football, although most of us don't realize that the national championship Inglewood Blackhawks are here in L.A. It doesn't get any coverage. So my question is, if we bring an NFL team to L.A., will that suck all the air out of the room that remains for minor league professional football, or will it help it? That's a, that's a really good... And, and What's even, the name of that team again? <laughs> are you kidding me? Inglewood Blackhawks. Don't... <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, that's certainly a concern, and I would think it's a, it's a concern, too, uh, for the schools. Uh, you know, L.A.'s a unique situation where you've got two major college football programs in such close proximity, and, and you have to think about sharing the sports dollar... You know, um, and you can speak to this. I mean, right? I mean, I mean, many people are are worried that if the NFL comes back, that um, that UCLA and SC football would be negatively impacted. Um, I mean, you see large. Uh, I mean, my, my my sense is that the NFL is just a really a different product than college ball. It is, and you see really large variations in attendance. So, um, in the late '90s, I think UCLA beat SC about seven or eight times in a row. And UCLA was averaging about 75,000 fans per home game at the Rose Bowl. SC was below 60,000. Uh, at the height of Pete Carroll's era, you know, so 2005, 2006, SC was averaging 92,000. 
which was a 50% increase uh, above what they've been doing just a few years before. So it really boils down to the quality of the product. And it's, um, at some level, I mean, there's, there's a lot of entertainment options in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I think the college teams will be somewhat less impacted because there's, you know, there's really, I mean, there's a fan base of over, over you know, hundred th hundreds of thousands of, of, of Bruins and Trojans in, in the area where, that I think would, would, would remain loyal. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, when you're an alumni of a university, I mean, you're bonded to that team through mm. so thick and thin, you know, and, that, and the, 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 uh, there might be some highs and lows in terms of the, you know, the number of fans you get to your stadium, but I mean, that's your team. I mean, yep. you went to school there. I mean, there's a passion for yep. that, you know? And uh, the players may come and go just like they do in the, in the National Football League. I mean, there's such a turnover now in the National Football League with free agency, but it's always where you went to school, you know? And so my point was, when I was making the point about if, you know, the field of dreams, I was talking about UCLA. All I know is if we win, that place will be full. Yeah, I, you're, yeah. You're, I don't care if there's... Right eight NFL teams here. If we win, the place will be full. Um, uh, I might point out, though, for those who don't know, you have uh, uh, two Major League Baseball teams in the city that pay, play 81 games a year in Anaheim and, and Chavez Ravine, and you have an entire league of professional minor league teams in Rancho Cucamonga and, and High Desert and San Bernardino and Riverside. They do quite well, so I think there's, a, there's probably room enough for, for minor league footballs well, Armin Ross, and I'm a UCLA alumni, and I have a question for the coach. Uh, what uh, do you Who's see? Who's our quarterback going to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not who, but will you be able to develop more than one quarterback so that we can have them interchangeable like the Oregon schools do and like the other school does so that we can have a great team? That's all we've been uh, missing the past six or seven years. Are you serious about I'm serious. Oh, okay, I thought I'd give <laughs> Not, I not who, but developing the quarterback. He wants more there's than a one. Saying, here's, your, here's a saying, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. <laughs> so I think what you need to do is you need to identify who your quarterback is and you need to ride him. You need to provide an environment where he can have success, and that means putting him in positions where he's able to showcase his skill set. It means creating an offense that... that uh, that showcases the things that he does best. But that, that was our saying in the National Football League. If you had two quarterbacks, you really didn't have any quarterbacks. Does that make sense? Because neither of them well, well, substantiate themselves. Well, well but we, we have a quarterback right here. Yeah. What do you think? Would you like to platoon at UCLA? No, no I, I, the, I think the position is, uh, I mean, the NFL or college, I mean, you're not very good if you don't have somebody that's pretty good playing that position. It just doesn't happen. And the teams that are good, that are competing year in and year out, whether it's college or, or pro, have, have a dynamic player at that position. And to plateau, I've, I've not seen, uh, I'm not familiar, that familiar with, with what Oregon has been doing, but I don't know of any teams that, that have done very well platooning quarterbacks. I, I would I agree with Jim on that matter. I think that you've got to have one guy. And the last two NFL teams didn't do well. What do you think has changed in the 15 years so that, um, why do you think LA fans will embrace um, the NFL now? What I would say, what, what drove those teams out were the stadium deals. You know, the stadium didn't keep those teams here. And, you know, the worst stadiums in the National Football League are all in California. You know, I mean, te Texas Stadium, you know, Dallas' stadium was, was run down. They got a new stadium. 
the other, you know, right now Minnesota's obviously not very good, but there's, there's not a good NFL stadium in the state of California. And, and to go back to what we said earlier, you have to have, at the time, you had to have some, some luxury boxes. You had to have things that generated revenue. Uh, and yeah, if you win, they come. But as an owner, you were looking at it saying, yeah, well, even if we win, we can't compete with some of these other teams. And, and therefore, that's why they left. I, the, t- the team that comes back to L.A. is going to have a stadium. They're going to have a great stadium. So that's certainly not then going to be the issue. I think that in addition to the stadium component, uh, the ownership group is extremely valuable in this, and the NFL wants to make sure whoever that group is that it's the right group. Um, you know, Certainly I work closely with, with Jerry Jones as a guy who was my owner for 12 years. I can assure you that if Jerry Jones was the owner of a team in Los Angeles, that deal would work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> never mind. This I don't know what the record would be, but I know that it would work, and he would be out there selling it and making it happen. And uh, I think that's important. And the groups that were here, they they weren't able to make it happen. You uh, earlier cited that the NFL does want a team to come back, but they have cited as well a uh, $500 million relocation fee that AEG and uh, the city council uh, cited in their MOU. So my question to you is, how seriously possible is that going to happen with that high of a fee? How, what team would be willing to pay that unless they could somehow avoid that through legal action like the uh, Raiders did when they originally moved here? Well, I don't know that anyone, in fact, I know that there is no set relocation fee. And in fact, people at the highest levels of the NFL don't have a set number uh, for a relocation fee. And the league would want a team to succeed in Los Angeles if the deal were right. And they wouldn't want a prohibitive relocation fee. I think that if, uh, uh, you know, in the NFL, you, you have to count to 24. You have to be able to count to 24. And that's 24 owners, three quarters of the uh, of, of the ownership, and they'll decide what the relocation fee will be. It, I think there has to be, for tax purposes, and, and you could speak to this, Lee, some type of relocation fee, but it could be nominal. I mean, I think it ranges, it's all over the map. It's not like the NFL is trying to build up every roadblock to keep a team from coming to Los Angeles. They do want a team in Los Angeles if it's the right team with the right ownership group and the right stadium. I mean, the NFL is, um, is the most collectivist organization. So, I mean, you look around the world and all these economies are becoming more and more market-oriented and moving away from, you see that happening in China and Brazil and India. But the NFL is all about completely collective decision-making. So they're going to try to produce the biggest pie they can. And if that's to move a team into L.A. where it can make everybody better off within the league through shared revenue, they're going to try to make that happen. I think the, the main stumbling block is, you know, can we get the deal done? And I think right now, you know, there's still a little bit of uncertainty about Farmers Field, um, but they're they're not going to say much before there really is a before the stadium is uh, is is going to be there, or before there's a commitment to put the stadium there. And, and there was a history at one point when uh, the O'Malley family said they would build a stadium. They were thinking about building a stadium in Chavez Ravine on the empty parking lot there, but then uh, the mayor Richard Reardon uh, came out in favor of renovating the Coliseum. 
And, and that blew it all up because they had no desire to renovate. The NFL has no desire to renovate the Coliseum, never has. And one wonders whether or not the Coliseum Commission has been one of the, has been an impediment to getting an NFL team. Or is that just as a quasi-governmental agency that runs a stadium that used to have the Rams and the Raiders? Well, the city's been obligated to support the Coliseum because uh, it's uh, the, the tripartite, you know, city, county, state that it runs the Coliseum. The city has felt that obligation. But you're right. I mean, Peter O'Malley wanted to build that stadium at Dodger Stadium. And interestingly, the guy he wanted his G to be his GM was Roger Goodell, who was 36 years old. And, and uh, uh, so he has a very close relationship with Roger Goodell who was sort of the NFL's envoy to the West Coast at that time, and stadium czar. Um, but yeah, I think the Coliseum Commission's been a big impediment. The greater health of the NFL as we consider a stadium and a team coming to Los Angeles, sort of a three-part. One is uh, the ever-growing concern of the health of players. Uh, we're seeing that in rule changes, but we're also starting to recognize the long-term effect of concussions on players. Uh, which will ultimately take some of that red meat uh, component, I think, out of the game, and, pr and, and properly so. The other one is the ever-increasing cost of, the, of, uh, of supporting NFL players uh, because they, uh, the salaries keep on going up, and I'm not saying that they're not deservedly so, but uh, uh, we uh, regularly read about multi-million dollar contracts that I think puts them in and something less than that 1% uh, component of, uh, of our country. And uh, the third one is that sort of the stay-at-home component. I mean, uh, I can record that on my, the game on TiVo now. I can watch it on my cell phone, my smartphone. Uh, I, can, I can go to blogs and get all of that game value. So what happens to that NFL concept if those three aspects continue to take a, a larger the grip on what is now the NFL concept. Do you see a, a, a concern on the part of the public relations of this sport when people feel guilty about watching players who they think are going to have, uh, because of concussion after concussion, uh, just the nature of the game, are going to be suffering uh, injuries um, for years to come? Is, is that an issue that, the, that, that could somehow play a role in the NFL's future? Sam? I, th I think the league, there's certainly a greater sensitivity in the last couple of years to, to concussions in particular, and the league has taken steps in that regard, and, and uh, both in equipment changes uh, and changing the rules uh, to some degree. Um, rules on kickoffs, for instance, what you can and can't do on kickoffs. Uh, I don't see the game changing appreciably, but that... And I, and I don't see uh, a huge public uproar about this. I think a lot of it is driven by what the, you know, there's, there's more awareness. But uh, the league has take, taken some proactive steps in that regard. But Troy, it's not going to change, is it? Well, I don't, I don't think so. And then the question becomes, what exactly is the motivation <clears throat> behind the league with regards to player safety? I, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. Uh, but I think the league is very, very concerned about, uh, uh, you know, class action lawsuits and, uh, and then that may very well be the impetus behind, you know, trying to, 
show that they are concerned about the concussions and those those types of things. And you know, I think that that we're and I guess to follow up on that point, uh, if the the long term viability uh, to me anyway is somewhat in question uh, as far as what this sport and the game is going to look like. 20 years from now. Um, you know, I've got young daughters. I don't have a young son. Uh, if I did, I certainly would not tell him he couldn't play football. And if it's something that he wanted to do, I would say, okay, great. But I don't know that I'd be encouraging him to play. Whereas the other sports, I think that, yeah, you want your, you want your kids active and, and doing those types of things. And, and if I was a parent with a 10-year-old son, I, I don't know that I'd feel real good with the, the, the information that's been coming out saying, hey, yeah, go play Go play tackle football. So uh, I think the owners in the league recognizes that. So at the grassroots, they're trying to address it and make the game safer for that, for that reason as well. I think to another point, I think it's a very good question, by the way, on, on the different uh, you know, parts that you asked. And you know, I read a book uh, several years ago, and it was called America's Game. And it went through the history of football and, and pro football. And it talked about the missteps that baseball took that kept them from continuing to be the number one sport. And so football then overtook it. And I believe, and this is my opinion, that at some point football is not going to be the number one sport. I mean, it's just, you talk about the ebbs and flows of what's popular and what's not. At some point in time, football is not going to be the number one sport. At some point in time, the TV ratings are not going to continue to go through the roof. A lot of people thought this was going to be the year that the ratings did not increase, yet they were astronomical. And so you then pay what the, what the TV partners are paying to be able to broadcast football. And I believe, looking at what is taking place, yes, we want to continue to grow the pie. The owners do. I say we. The owners certainly do. The league does. That I think that uh, we're going to look back at this point in time and say these were the missteps that the National Football League took that kept football from being the number one sport. And it's, I say that, time will tell, but at one time watching football on TV was an event. You know, for those of us that are you know, older, we saw Monday Night Football. That was, you know, that was a big event. And now they're increasing the Thursday night package on, on the NFL Network. And so you get football, you get it Sunday, you get it Monday, you get it Thursday, and then late in the year you get it on Saturday. You know, and so <clears throat> now you're talking about, well, now football and what, what happened with the NFL Network is people then realized, a little bit like the people in Los Angeles realized that, you know what, life's okay without the NFL. You know, we're all right, <laughs> you know? And if I'm an owner, I don't want any fan thinking that. And when you put out the, the package on the NFL Network and they couldn't get it in the homes like they had anticipated, <clears throat> you know, all of a sudden fans, me included, you know what? I wasn't getting the, the Thursday night game. I was okay with that. That's not good. Uh, that's not a good thing. So uh, I, I think that there have been some, you know, greed or whatever it is. I think there have been some real missteps that that are taking place. I can't I, I can't validate that because the numbers suggest otherwise. But uh, I guess time will tell. So he did make news uh, tonight. That was great. Thank you very much. And I think we'll end it on that. That actually turned out to be a great question to end it on. A round of applause for our panelists, please. Troy Aikman, Sam Farmer, Lee Overman, Jim Mora.